This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, the Detroit Lions held up their end of the bargain in Week 18, the 17th game of the season. They downed the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau. However, I don't want to say it was meaningless, but it became uh, less meaningless, if that's even a way to say that, when Seattle beat the Rams earlier in the day. TJ, you were in... Green Bay. You were in Lambeau. Sure was. When that whole thing went down. <laughs> Appreciate the excitement. Uh, what was it like when they were showing the Rams-Seahawks game on the big screen uh, prior to uh, the game? Uh, yeah, it was wild. It was almost like being at a you know, sports book in Vegas and half the crowd's <laughs> cheering for one team, half cheering for the other team. Yeah, uh, Lions, obviously. Sports book in Vegas, Lambeau Field. Yeah, wild, man. Just uh, they had the game up on the big screen for, you know, the majority of the fourth quarter there. And um, a lot of people got to see the missed field goal at the end to send into overtime. Uh, which was great. By what that was the time, reaction in the stadium, uh, it was loud. It was honestly loud, you know. And I think this is pretty common with most uh, opposing fan bases. I think early in the game, like pregame warmups, it's all it's normally the other team's fans that get in there early. Uh, want to see the players, want to spend extra time, you know, at what Lambeau Field never been, you know what I mean? So uh, when they were showing that game. Uh, there was a lot of Lions fans in the building already, and uh, it was it was awesome. People were just cheering. People were going nuts, especially when they missed the field goal at the end to send it to overtime and give you a little bit more hope. At that point, I was in the booth. We were just started our pregame show with Dan and Lomas, and uh, you know we were watching on the screen as we were trying to talk about the pregame show, and we ended up kind of comment commentating on the Rams Seahawks for a couple minutes. Uh, unfortunately, they took it down by the time they got to overtime. So people in the stadium, you know, uh, you probably had to pull your phone out to see what's going on because stadiums at that point, yeah, it's 45 you know, minutes to an hour before kickoff. They start yeah. their pregame shows They're and all the videos they show and players warming up. So they took the game down. But uh, it, was, it, was, it was funny. And uh, my goodness, what a wave of emotions. I mean, you know, chance for – Seattle to go down late, and you're like, yep, here we go. I've seen this before. Oh, they missed the field goal. Oh, man, let's go. All right, we got a chance. You know, everybody's yeah. excited. You know, Rams, hey, three and out to start overtime. Hey, get the ball back. 
Baker got a dude wide open for maybe a touchdown. Uh, uh, let's throw an interception. Baker and Baker. it was just like just a ride, man. Just up, down, up, down, and that was bum. That was, it was just a bummer when you know Seattle won, and you really started started to hit you that okay, like this is last game. Um, gonna see just go out there play see what happens and I'm walking by the locker room at that point and I think a lot of the players I could hear and you know a couple of the guys are just like it man let's go let's go ruin their season <laughs> yeah you know and it's like all right I like that attitude you know let's go and uh so I was I don't think I've ever been in that position before where you don't find out until right before the game what your destiny's gonna be you know normally you find out a week in advance or you find out maybe four hours in advance or a day in advance, um, you know, God, we got eliminated. How is that going to affect you? When it happens 45 minutes before kickoff, I've never been through that before, but obviously uh, I think it's just a huge testament to the coaching staff and the the veterans on that team to, uh, you know, spread the message and spread the motivation that we still got a lot to play for. Not only do we want to keep our – you know, division rivals out of the playoffs and ruin their season. Yeah. We want to go eight and two to finish. We want to go five and one in division and and, and really feel like there's starting to be a, a changing of the guard to say in, in that division. So, uh, props to those guys for getting ready to go, man. It was um, aw- aw- awesome atmosphere. Anytime you get to play at Lambeau Field, uh, the history, the tradition. Whether yeah. I played a lot of game, over eighty games there. You know, as a Packer, I played a couple. Being on the road, and anytime you step into that building as a player, um, that's just that's that's feels like that's how football is meant to be played. Outside, on the grass, under the light. You know what I mean? Like it just has that uh, that special feeling to it, and it was just awesome. The way that game went, the Lions pulling out the victory, ending the game with a couple ballsy play calls, ball in their hand, taking a knee at Lambeau, watching it's your rivals pout off the field. Their season's over too. It was just, uh, it was a, it was a great feeling to watch. And, and for those players, you obviously want to go out winning in the playoffs and winning the ultimate Super Bowl. But that would probably be probably be a close second uh, on how you want to finish the season, winning your last game. So I think there's great benefit in a situation like that to having such a young team. Like They don't know necessarily what they entirely missed out on in, in regards to the playoffs. Were you surprised at all that they were able to go into Lambeau and get that win? And, you know, Justin Jackson splitting two defenders for a, a, a third down pickup, you saw Jamal Williams. Now, I'm not surprised that Jamal Williams played hard. Like, I don't know that there's any other way that Jamal Williams knows how to play the game. But as a, a team taking the field in Lambeau, even if the playoffs were still a part of the equations, it's not common for the Detroit Lions to go up there and play really good football. It's not common for the Lions this year to go on the road and play really good football. Were you surprised to see what the Lions were able to do in Week 18? No, and I think, honestly, John, I think if if the Rams would have won and that was a true playoff game, I don't know if the result is the same. Meaning, this team has so many young players, right, that haven't really played in that playoff game true playoff type yeah. game understand the, the, how, how fast the game understanding gets. just the, the discipline and 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 the speed and 
and how one mistake can be so crucial uh knowing when you know you got to make big play you know what i mean like i i thought that honestly the fact that they knew it was going to be their last game going into it maybe that loosened them up a little bit you know what I mean? Maybe that kind of eased a little bit of tension of that pressure that this is a playoff game and we have to win or else our season's over. You know what I mean? Maybe if you're just going out there and and, and just mentally, maybe it's subconsciously, uh, it, it takes a little bit of pressure off of you because hey, it's your last game. You know, of course you want to yeah, you want to beat your your rival and and do everything we just said, but uh, it seemed like for for Detroit, it was there there weren't many consequences to losing that game, yeah. right? Packers had everything on the line. Now, if the Lions had everything on the line as well, you know, that adds a little bit of pressure. That adds a little stress. That adds some guys maybe trying to do a little too much, trying to play a little hero ball. And that's where we've seen this team get in trouble in the past. So I thought, you know what, looking looking at it in totality, I thought that the fact that uh, they knew that 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 was going to be their last game, it probably loosened them up a little bit, probably took a lot of that stress and pressure off and just said, you know what, man, let's go out here, have fun, and, and, and go play some football. So let's talk about both sides of the ball before we talk about what's to come in the offseason. And we're going to continue to bring you necessary roughness throughout the offseason. There may be a week or two where we, you know, we take a little break. But for the most part, throughout the course of the offseason, we will be with you, bringing you all Lions news throughout the course of a hey, free agencies coming up. We know what the, the what we expect the Lions to do. We expect them to be active. Uh, the draft, a lot of excitement around the draft, but offensively and defensively for this team. Let's start defensively. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, I was concerned going into the game that we were going to see or the potential of a Carolina Panthers repeat. When you watch that front seven, and I think the tone was set by Anzalone early on the fourth down attempt by Green Bay, what did you see from the front seven that shut down that Jones and Dylan combo. Well, I think it was the best game by far from the defensive line as a whole, but uh, specifically the interior guys. I thought it was uh, Isaiah Bugs' best game uh, of the season. Benito Jones uh, did a nice job stepping up, stuffing some holes. Um, <laughs> well said, <laughs> stuffing some runs. Uh, Aleem, you know, we we know what he's going to give you week in week out. I mean, he's a solid. Uh, solid run stuffer as well. I thought those guys on the inside uh, did a nice job. Um, and when you look at Green Bay's, I think they had a good plan too. You look at Green Bay's rushing attack, and <laughs> you're still laughing at stuffing <laughs> at the holes. Um, a lot of those plays, I mean, they, it looks like stretch stretch zone, right? But most yep. of their most of their big runs come off the cutback. And I thought they had a good plan for being disciplined on the backside of a lot of those. You know, not overreacting, not over pursuing. Uh, you know, to the sideline, just stay disciplined in your gap. Know where the ball is going to be. Make everything uh, force force this way, or know when it's being forced to you. I thought they had a good plan for that. Uh, that was obviously huge, though. That was the key to the game. You got to stop that run because. Everything in Green Bay runs around Aaron, Aaron Jones, not Aaron Rodgers anymore. I mean, that's a team that if they throw the ball, you know, 40, 45 times, they're probably losing. They're just offensive line isn't built that way. Um, We obviously know what the youth of the receivers just aren't built that way. Uh, And I think the Lions knew that. They knew we were going to have to take away the run, which is going to limit the play action game, uh, which is going to help your young secondary out, not put so much stress on on those guys as well. So, uh, during the game, after the game, you know, today going back watching the game, uh, I thought that the, really the unsung heroes of that game were 
those guys that we mentioned on the interior of that defensive line, being able to control uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, not let up any explosive plays. Uh, and even, you know, with Kaminsky chasing down Jones uh, and forcing a fumble, turned out to be huge as well. So those guys, you know, beginning of the season, you're looking at D-line depth and you're like, man, we're going to rely on, you know, who's this Isaiah Bugs guy? Who's this John Kaminsky right. guy? We're going to rely on these guys to go out there and, <laughs> you know, win games for us. And, uh, you know, fast forward a couple months, and these are guys that have kind of turned themselves into heartbeat-type guys, you know, concrete guys. I mean, guys that you want on your team, guys that you need uh, in your locker room. And, you know, gosh, we sat here two months ago and we talked about this defense, John. I know we'll get into this in the months to come when we lead up to uh, the offseason, but, uh, you know, is, is it unfair to say maybe, you know, halfway through October when you're talking about this defense, there might have been eight to nine positions that needed to be upgraded? You know, I don't think that's that was unfair at no, the I mean, time. You, at the I mean, time, you're looking at who are your who about... are your rocks? You're looking at okay, we know Hutchinson ain't going nowhere at the time. Uh, you know, Pascal wasn't playing. You didn't have a Houston. Rodrigo was, you know, kind of in and out at the time. I think it was we were looking at it and we were saying, okay, I think you know Okuda at that point had 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 a good start to the season. I think just. Looking back at it, you're like, I think Okuda and Hutchinson are the two guys maybe yeah. you can build around, but who else? You know, and, and fast forward a couple months now, you're sitting there saying, Yeah, I'd love to have Kaminsky back. Yeah, I'd love to have Bugs back. Yeah, I'd love to have, you know, Anzalone back and and even Will Harris, who uh had a pretty good year, you know, moving over to corner. Like, you know what I mean? So those yeah. guys really stepped up and I thought it was impressive that uh, just the development of not only the young guys, but uh, you know, some veteran guys that just continue to get better as the season went along. You don't always see that. No, and obviously, you know, throughout the course of that, you know, the last 10 games, you know, with them going 8-10, and 10, Kirby Joseph really took off. Um, and, by the way, you know, three interceptions against Aaron Rodgers. Did you ever think you'd see a rookie hold that distinction? Obviously, it'd be a division opponent, most likely, but... So, you know, a player that has intercepted Aaron Rodgers not just three times throughout his career, but three times in one year. Yeah, never happened before. No. Erlacher intercepted Aaron three times over his career. Right. Uh, Kirby gets him three times this season in it, two it games. Could have been four or five. Could have been four or five. I mean, had his hands uh, on a couple more of those. Had one that was uh, called back. Yeah, one called back, and then the other one, you know, just off the fingertips. I thought that, uh, man, Kirby, you know, he's there's been – there's certainly been times where you're like, oh, yep, rookie, growing pains. Yep, he'll yeah. learn from he, that one. Bite you know, on the play yeah, action. play action, or you know, get lost in in zone sometimes. But um, man, he he really kind of turned into one of those really solid free safety center field type guys that can go sideline to sideline. And like, I was watching that play. You know, when Amani came in, I think Hughes ended up going out, so Amani comes in. And you're like, okay, man, step up, make some plays. During that play, I look over and I'm I'm talking to the guys on the radio, and I'm like, man, sooner or later he's gonna test Amani. You know, he's gonna he's gonna throw at 24 out there. And that play, Amani was one on one with Christian Watson, and you look back and it's like, okay, it's one deep. It's Kirby Joseph. They don't have two shell over the top. It's like I he's gonna he's gonna chuck this to him, isn't he? And as the play started to develop, Kirby kind of almost baited Aaron Rodgers. He kind of like. 
peek to his right a little bit. Aaron saw him do that, and then he launched it to the left. And Kirby, at the last minute, spun around, came back, made that interception. Like, I watched that play, and I was just like, that's that's a big-time play, dude. When you can start, you know, manipulating the quarterback's eyes, when you can start baiting him, uh, not biting on, you know, the the, the pump faker. You know, we, we hear it all the time, quarterback using his eyes to move the safeties. You know, stay disciplined in what your assignment is and make plays. Uh, he was a guy that certainly flashed a ton this season. Um, and a guy that could be, you know, one of the leading contenders next year when you talk about guys making that year two step. Uh, Kirby Joseph could be that guy next year that we're talking about saying, holy, you know what, man, like this dude is, this dude's turning into a legit player. Because we saw a lot of flashes of it this year, but we also saw a lot of flashes of those those rookie growing pains as well. Yeah, and and so we expect growth there. And and I think, you know, obviously with the healthy Romeo Aquara, that was – uh, you know, a, a good uh, the ability to get him back towards the end of the year. Aline McNeil, Isaiah Bugs, Benino Jones. You mentioned those guys, um, and Aiden Hutchinson. The growth that he showed throughout the course of this year. You know, obviously, a lot of eyeballs on him in the you know throughout the course of the year, but especially those first seven games, and a lot of people saying, you know, is he going to be the player that they. They thought they were going to get when they drafted him, and in the first half of the Washington game, yeah, okay, that you know, you, you see the three sacks, but you ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And the one thing I know about Aiden Hutchinson is he is a true student of the game. Uh, and there's a lot of pride in what he does. And then you start to see him be much more consistent and read and react instead of it being so mechanical. We talked about that about halfway through the season. It felt like he was playing a very mechanical game. And then he got more comfortable 
along with the production that James Houston had, I mean, you look at the pass rush that they're able to put on now, and at least whether or not they get home, but the threat and the resources that an offense has to put into accounting for on third down James Houston, um, on every down in Aiden Hutchinson. Um, how much do you? How much can they hang their hat on something that they think this is something that will carry over, and these guys will continue to be that and better? Oh, I think that's might be the majority of where the optimism comes from yeah. heading into next season. You know, not only with uh, how the team finished, but you saw this rookie class go out there and really make impact week in week out. And not just one or two of them. I mean, we saw six of them. You know, the only guy that we saw really not make an impact was was Chase Lucas there, who was the seventh-round pick, who, yeah, those guys are developmental guys. You don't rely on them. You don't even rely on six-round picks coming in as rookies and, and making a difference. Um, the young guys made such an impact this year that you look at it and you can't help but to say, yeah, they're only going to continue to get better. James Houston's only going to continue to improve and add more, uh, you know, weapons to his repertoire of pass rush moves. Hutchinson is only going to get better with a full, you know, season, full off season of being in an NFL weight room and, uh, you know, adding strength, adding speed, adding quickness, adding, uh, you know, to his repertoire as well with, with, with the hands and, and the feet, you know what I mean? And 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 Malcolm, you know, you you he's gonna take a step forward. You know what I mean? So that's where you look at this team and it's not like, oh, we got a ton of free agents or you know, the impact guys we had this year are all gonna be gone. No. Most of the impact guys you had this year are all young players. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna have them for a while, you know. You don't need to go spend, you know, what what are teams spending out? Twenty five, thirty million dollars on edge rushers, right. you know, to come in here and make a difference. You got two rookies, ones that are going to be pretty damn good. Well, yeah. And honestly, you, what you got to plan for is in the future of making sure that you keep those guys. Right. Yeah. Or you got a budget for that. Yeah, but that's four four years down the road, you know. So I think that, uh, you know, that's 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 just the beauty of 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 this right now is that you've got these guys that, you know, we know Hutch is. I'd be pretty safe to say you're going to have him for five. And yep. Houston, you know, I for think four. all those picks got four year deals. So you know, you you got to worry about that maybe a couple years down the line. But that's the beauty of it is that where this this team felt like, and that's where I was kind of leaning, you know, a couple minutes ago, where this team felt like they had so many holes to fill. Um, whether it was you know veteran guys stepping up and playing better, whether it was uh, rookies coming in and making an impact, filled a lot of those gaps that you need. Um, so I just think that's the exciting part is you look at where they finished, you look at how they got there, and you project you know, how much better you can be going into next year. I think those are all the things uh, that make it exciting. And with Hutch, I think one of the most impressive parts too was his ability to handle the workload that they threw at him. I mean, he played the second most amount of snaps this season for D Lyman outside of Max Crosby yep. in Las Vegas, who plays seemingly every snap. I mean, as a rookie, you know, that's unheard of given a guy, you know, 85, 90% of the defensive snaps. I mean, so his ability to not only handle that, go out there, but to continue to, you know, week 18, last game of the season, go make an impact, couple sacks. I mean, that's just, it's extremely impressive. And like you said, man, being a student of the game and and not being stubborn and not just being a diva and not just, you know, oh, I'm going to live the NFL life and all the glitz and glory. I'm going to work my ass off week in, week out. I'm going to get better. Uh, You saw that from him 
there was proof of him doing that, you know. Yeah. And those to me are are just look. I think even Campbell mentioned it this week. You know, we don't just bring in guys that are super talented. I mean, we have a strong criteria of guys that we go out there, we target, and we want to bring in. And it's guys like Aiden Hutchinson that are going to bust their freaking ass day in day out. And, and just continue to get better every week. That's something that Coach you know, Campbell obviously preaches, and that's something that he wants in his players as well. And he, he got, man, those last 10 games, he got that. So starting with the first matchup against the Green Bay Packers at Ford Field and then you know progressing through the rest of the season, I got to believe, or at least I feel, one of the biggest reasons they were able to turn things around and be that team is – Jared Goff. And in this game against Green Bay at Lambeau, again, no turnovers. And I think that's the biggest thing is Jared Goff's decision-making, his ability to make sure that he didn't put his team behind the eight ball by sacrificing possessions and giving extra possessions to the opponent, making sure you don't throw, you don't turn the ball over when you're going to get sacked or if there's a threat of a sack. I thought he did a great job, especially over the last five weeks of getting rid of the ball, being able, being willing to throw the ball out of bounds, being willing to throw the ball at, at a running back's feet if there's nothing there, not putting the ball at risk. So his decision-making, his accuracy. Now, we all know that there could be some you know, improvement down the field, uh, but that's what we know about Jared Goff. In those last eight weeks, eight, eight to ten weeks, he showed that he can be a quarterback that you can go out there and win with. And and you can go out there on the road win with. You can go, you know, obviously at home. They're 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 very good at home. Your thoughts on Jared Goff throughout the course of this season? Well, it's certainly Is he a long term uh, answer? Well, uh, those are questions that are going to be have to be. Yeah. Well, I think he's definitely going to be back next year. Yeah, I'll say that. I, mean, I think that's a pretty much gut guarantee. Um, when you look at his contract, I think twenty twenty three was the first year that uh, had a potential out where meaning the dead cap wouldn't kill you. You know, I think it was like this year was like thirty forty million. Next year it's ten. I think the year after goes down to five. So those were kind of considered, you know, a potential out year if you want to move on. You know, not going to kill you, uh, contractually speaking. Um, how I judge quarterbacks, and I don't know if this is right or wrong or fair, um, but just for me, you know, the formula that I kind of use is, is this a guy right now with his playing ability and the contract that he carries, is this a guy that you could trade, you know, for, let's just say a first-round pick, Right. There's a lot of quarterback. We obviously knew what uh, you know. Matthew Stafford got two first round picks. We know that uh, you know Russell Wilson got a you know ton. We know that you know a bunch of other quarterbacks would garner all of that. Is mm-hmm. Jared Goff a guy you could trade? You know, making thirty plus million dollars a year and get something back in return. But let's say a first round pick. I don't know. Like yeah. I just don't. You know, you know what I mean. So that's right. where I kind of and the way he played was. Uh, was admirable. I think even to start the season, it was like, man, this guy just looks different. The issue you mentioned was the turnovers. Um, obviously figured that out and showed that he's good enough to uh, win with, but, you know, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I don't really know the – I don't see many throws that Jared Goff makes that are like, wow, that was incredible. You know, or many plays where – 
you know, scrambles and boom, eyes downfield, makes a big time throw. Like you don't you don't see many of those. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, Oh yeah, that was a good throw, you know, good design, guys wide open. That, most quarterbacks would be able to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. but it, it was the fact that he was a leader on this team. It was the fact that, uh, you know, he he was being a lot smarter with the football, not turning it over, not you know being the reason why they were losing games, uh, like we saw early in the year. So sure, I think he proved that he's a guy that you surround him with good talent and good coaching and good scheme. That you know he can take you places. Um, but is there always room for improvement? Is he a guy that you think is cemented as, you know, QB1 for this franchise? Or is there a possibility where if they see, I don't know, something crazy happen in the draft and they say, oh, man, this guy could be a different, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just, I, 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 I guess I'm still on the fence a little bit with him being the long term, you know, meaning the next five, six, seven, eight years, the five, you know, year contract, yeah. you know, type guy. That's where I'm kind of. You need to see, I guess what I want to see, and I think we're going to get a chance to see, uh, you know, next year is, can you play at that level consistently for a whole season? You know what I mean? That's what you want to see. Because you see it, you know, every year you see it for, I mean, what did we see it this year with him playing, you know, lights out football out of 17 weeks, you know, 12, Yeah. you know? 11, 12, yeah. that'd be fair. Maybe a couple more, maybe a couple less. I don't know. but Depending on you know some halves here Yeah, see that guy yeah. that can show you that he can do it week in, week out. And he was close this year, but there were obviously still way too many mistakes there early in the season. But um, I have no no issue with, uh, with him moving forward. But it's just – that's just kind of how I judge, you know, yeah. do, do you have the right guy? Can you, can, is this a guy that is going to be sought after by their teams? Do you have, you know, have you struck gold, uh, you know, to say with a guy, um, as of right now? I mean, I, I just, I really don't know. Yeah. Playing good enough football to win your games. Is he good enough to, you know, get you through Hey, we've got a couple of injured guys and you got to lean on this guy to go out there and, and, and win. I, I, I just don't know. We'll talk about needs, uh, in, you know, in terms of free agency because we've got to see who they're going to re-up. Uh, we're going to talk about needs in the draft after we get a chance to see what happens in free agency. I mean, it, it, it kind of there's a there's obviously a logic in place, but and and this isn't about whether they renew him to come back for another couple of years, but on this team, especially as you got towards the end of the year you really started to root for some guys. And I think John Kaminsky is one of those guys where he, you just love the way that he took the field and played hard every single time. I loved watching him play, and you started to root for him. Kirby Joseph as a young player, we already talked about him, but a guy that you started to root for, Alex Anzalone. Again, a guy you started to root for, I know he's up. And again, we'll talk more in the future about how many guys that are on this roster with contracts that have expired that they're going to want back. But just in terms of a guy that you rooted for, and I, he grew on me a little bit when we started watching Hard Knocks. Throughout the course of the year, as consistent as he was, and I know there was a heartbreaking fumble in Dallas, and I know it hit him hard as well, but how much fun was it to watch Jamal Williams, who got a lot of opportunity with DeAndre Swift being banged up for most of the year? How much fun did you have watching Jamal Williams play football this year? Yeah, no, it was great, man. Just being on the outside watching and getting to talk to him a few times throughout the season. I mean, 
he's a unicorn. He is. He's just like his own dude, man. Like, there's no ego to him. There's not like you know what I mean. He's yeah. just, just. I just want to show up. I just want to play football. You know, everybody else, leave me alone. You know, cut, you know, cut me with the bullshit stuff. Like, I just want to play football. You know, it. and he's gonna have fun doing it. And his, you know, his attitude, his demeanor, the way he carries himself. Um, you know, all, all of that's contagious to the rest of your locker room. And so when you look at guys like that, you know, and you talk about, hey, do we want to bring him back? You don't just look at production, right? You it's look not at what, yards what per carry. right? But you look at what does this guy add to our team? What does this guy mean to our culture? What does this guy mean to our locker room? Uh, those are things that you have to consider as well. And when you talk about a guy like Jamal Williams, I mean. I don't know if there was another guy on that team this year that truly exemplified what the Lions want to be, what they were, and what they want to be moving forward. You know, like he was a he was a rock guy for me. He was the rock of that team. Um, and when you talk about him, you know, being a free agent, you know, coming back, I mean, I would absolutely not hesitate to pick up the phone today. <laughs> and call him and say, let's figure it out, man. Yeah. Like you are a guy that is not only loved by your teammates and coaches, but this city, uh, you are just everything that means, you know, for Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes's point of view to be a Detroit lion. It's Jamal Williams. And that's just a guy that's going to take you places, man. It is. We know he's not going to be a top five, top 10 running back when it comes to, you know, explosive yards and, uh, you know, going breaking a ninety yard, you know what I mean. But he's going to do the dirty work for you, yeah. and he's going to be that guy that sets the tone for you. And guys, other guys can look up to and and lead young players. I think he's when you talk about guys, you know that contracts are expiring. Who do you want to bring back? Who do you want to keep? Um, you know, it would seem to me that he should be. Uh, at least the first name that pops up on that list is a guy that is a core player, a key part of uh, that turnaround, what got you here, and a key part of you know what you want to be in the future. Now I know, yeah, you can sit here and logically say, well, he's you know going to be 28 next year. Well, you know, do you want to spend you know I don't know seven eight million dollars on a running back when that's a position that you know normally you can fill, you know, maybe with a young player or you know a, a couple different vets to fill that void sure I, I you know I could buy that argument but um I just think that you can't replace his identity and the passion that he brings to that locker room every day well we're going to stick with you throughout the course of this offseason as we mentioned we've got free agency on the horizon the NFL draft uh, will be soon after that uh, we're going to break down the potential of some draft picks uh, for the Detroit Lions some some targets in free agency uh, but we'll also talk about the NFL playoffs as we see them unfold throughout us and where we think the Lions' expectations are for next year, how they fit in uh, throughout the course of this offseason. So stick with us uh, as we continue to move throughout now the offseason here on Necessary Roughness.